everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are um, in the uh, midst of a sign. John called them signs. John uh, didn't call them miracles. Uh, he just, because he wanted them to be uh, not about the miracle itself, but about the person who did the miracle. And so John said, I, I'm going to give you, in, my, in his letter, John wrote, he said, I'm going to give you seven seven signs or, or seven uh, indicators uh, that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And he said, I want you to take these seven signs and I want you to look, understand why they were there, what they were about, and, and, and what that should allow you to do uh, when it comes to your faith and your belief. John said, I could have wrote many other signs. He said, so then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, and uh, you know, which are not written in this book. He said, I, I could have written a bunch of other things, but I only really just wanted to give you seven important uh, signs to write. And then he says this in verse 31. Uh, he says, but these, these seven signs, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, who can remember? Life, 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 here it is, life in his name. That's why John says, I want you to know that I wrote these, these signs, these seven signs. Why? So that you can have life in his name. He said, not life, like just, not just eternal life, but life abundant, life to the fullest right now, life in a way that you're to, to see and experience life in a way that will make, make a difference and make an impact and change you from the inside out. That's the kind of life that Jesus wants you to have. So we said that when we talk about faith or when we talk about belief, uh, we, we said that uh, it doesn't matter. We're not, not even, uh, you know, in the case of religion, uh, where we oftentimes, you know, uh, talk about faith and belief. It's in, it's in the, you know, context of, of religion. He says, but in, but in anything, in anything in, in life, he says that faith is the evidence of what we've seen. So evidence based on evidence of what you've seen, that's what you put your faith in that or put your belief in that, or, or it's the confidence in a credible source of what you've heard. It's the confidence that you had in somebody, you know, whether it's a, a, an educator or a parent or a grandparent or somebody, you know, influenced in your life. You were confident that they were a credible source and they, you heard that and you believed it. You believed it. You had confidence in that credible source and you put your faith in what they said. And John's going, I want you to put your faith, I want you to put your belief in the fact that I am a credible source. I am a credible source. I saw Jesus die. I saw them put him in a tomb and I saw him come back to life again, but it wasn't just me. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who saw the exact same thing. And that really was their message. That was their message. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. That was their message. And people saw them as credible sources and people believe. John, 2,000 years later, wants that to be true about you. And here's what we also know about life. Belief or trust or faith is built. Trust is built. Belief is built. And John, over these seven signs, is wanting to build your trust 
in Jesus. He wants to build your faith in Jesus. He wants to build that belief that Jesus is truly the Son of God, and in his name, you can have life. And, and these seven signs are hopefully building faith. That's what they were doing. That's what Jesus was doing for his followers. He was building their belief. That's what he was doing. So here's uh, sign number five, where we're going to begin. And it's, we, we're, we're going to look at, and it's written in uh, a few of the gospels, but we're going to mainly look at John's uh, sign here. It says in verse 14, it says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So we're picking it up. If you were listening last week, we're picking up where Jesus took a few fish and a few loaves of bread from this little boy. And he began to multiply, to multiply, to multiply multiply it to the point where thousands of people that were there, they all got food, they all got fed, and they all got filled, and there was leftovers. There was leftovers. That's what Jesus did for them. And so when they saw that, when they saw the sign, when they saw the sign, they said, truly, he's the prophet who has come into the world. In other words, he's the one who's going to come and he's going to deliver us out of this oppression of Rome and he's going to establish his throne, establish his kingdom. And so as a result of that, after their bellies were full and they were like, not only is this guy healing our our people, healing our family, healing our friends, but this guy is feeding us too. And so as a result of that, look what it says. It says, so Jesus, aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king. They're like, that's the kind of king we want. We want the kind of king that will fill our bellies and heal our people. Wouldn't you? And they're like, they're like almost trying to force Jesus into, and, and, and Jesus is resistant of this. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. And, you, and you want, maybe you're wondering, well, why? Well, why? I mean, isn't that ultimately what Jesus wants to be in my life? Doesn't, isn't, isn't Jesus supposed to be the king of my life, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but not like this, that Jesus didn't come just to satisfy your needs. Jesus didn't come just to fill your belly and to just do something for you at, you know, at, at your bidding. Jesus is not a vending machine kind of God. You don't just push the buttons and what you want, and then that's what drops down. It's not what Jesus says. Jesus is not this way, not this way. Jesus had another plan. Jesus knew the purpose and the plan of his heavenly father that he was supposed to take, not the easy road. Because this, this would have been the easy road to be king. But if he, Jesus would have chose that way, you and I would be still dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And so Jesus chose not to take the easy road. Jesus chose to take the hard road. That's what Jesus chose. It says in verse 15, again, it says, so he withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. 
So in other words, and then what Jesus did, looking at Matthew's account of the, the story, um, Jesus says, it says that immediately after, afterwards that they were trying to make him king, he compelled the disciples. That word compels means that he forced them. He forced them to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. So he's like, all right, time to go home, everybody. Time to go home. You ate, you're full, you have leftovers. See you later. I'm going to the mountain alone. And he forces the disciples. Why did he do that? Because you know what the disciples were thought? The disciples thought, wow, you're making him king. And if he's king, what do we get to be? And, and, and I, I, at this time, in this context, they're going, they're asking Jesus these questions. In, in this context, they're asking Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, M M John was John was, John's like, hey, Jesus, so when you enter into your kingdom, um, I don't know, like, who gets to be on your right and who gets to be on your left when you're on your throne? Like, John and, and his brother James are asking, he's like, like so what are, what are, how do we jockey for the good position? Like, when you're, you're the king and you're on your throne, like, what is our role going to be like? vice king or I don't know like what like what is it and so Jesus is knowing like he's knowing their hearts and he's like you guys I gotta get these guys I gotta get these guys out of here and so he forces them to go into a boat and head to the other side and so then it says this and after getting into a boat and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum, and it already became dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So they're going, we're out in the sea, it's becoming dark, and Jesus is, well, the last we knew, Jesus went up on a mountain to go pray. And they're like, well, did Jesus, maybe there's no other boat. Jesus didn't catch a boat, and, and, and so now it's starting to get dark. And then it says in verse 18, in addition, the sea began to getting rough because a strong wind was blowing. So now they're like, it's getting dark. In addition, things are getting rough and the strong wind is blowing. Jesus forces them, compels them out into this boat. It's getting dark it's getting rough and the wind is picking up. Here's the lesson of life that he was teaching his disciples and here's the lesson of life that is for you and for me. Are you ready for this? Life is hard. Hello, anybody? Life is hard. I'll let you write that down. You're like, really? Like, if you don't think life is hard, you probably don't have kids. <laughs> right? Like, if you, if you don't think life is hard, my wife is downstairs in the preschool. You're probably not married. Don't tell her I said that. I'm kidding. Life is hard. How about for you? Does it, it, it feel like there's some days that it just gets dark? Does it feel like some days that it's just rough? Does it feel like some days you're in the boat of life and the wind is picking up and you're going, where is Jesus? 
Where is Jesus? Life is hard. So, yeah, kids, marriage, right? Hardship is the normal default in life. Not happiness. Not happiness. Hardship is the normal setting, default setting when it comes to this life. It's, it's not happiness. I know, I know as Americans, it's ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us that we think that we have, in, you know, inalienable rights, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Listen, you and I, go for it. Go for it. Go for life. Go for liberty and certainly pursue happiness. You go on that vacation and have a great time. You go and have that awesome meal, you know, uh, you know, have that awesome meal or have that great drink. You enjoy it yourself. You binge watch that TV show if that's where you find your happiness, right? Like you go hang out with your people and have a great time. But listen, here's what you and I have already discovered. It never brings us lasting happiness. At the end of the day, you can have that awesome meal, but then you get the check. <laughs> you can go and hang out with your buddies and your friends, but it, sometimes they annoy you. Like hardship is the normal. And you and I, we can pursue happiness, but you can be like, at the end of whatever it is that you go out and pursue, Whatever it is, that, that, that maybe that's that recreational, maybe it's the, a, a hobby, whatever that is for you. At the end of the day, it never brings us the kind of lasting happiness. Why? Because hardship is the normal default. It's the normal default. I mean, I took my family to Hilton Head. Anybody been to Hilton Head before? A few of you? Yeah, a few of you. Like, it's beautiful beaches, beautiful beaches. Like, and we're at a day, we're in Hilton Head, and we're at the beach, it's beautiful. We're out swimming. I'm out swimming in the water with my kids, and my kids are like on this inner tube kind of, a, kind of a deal, and I'm off hanging off the side of it. And I'm sort of swimming along, and we're laughing and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, I get the worst pain sting in my leg that I've ever felt. Jellyfish. A jellyfish got me. <laughs> like this is like you can pursue happiness, but then in the moment you get stung by a jellyfish, <laughs> right? And I was like swimming along and I just felt, ah, and I just like, it was like the worst pain. And my kids, they could see like the, the, the terror on my face and they could see the pain on my face. And they're like, dad, what happened? What happened? They're like we're in an ocean. They're on a raft. They're thinking shark. <laughs> and to be honest with you for a minute, I thought shark. It hurt so bad. And then I, we come out of the water and we see the sign that we missed because as I'm like, you know, you take four kids to the beach, you're carrying a lot of stuff, right? So I've got all this stuff. And so I get back up to the beach and I see like signs like every 10 feet saying it's jellyfish season. <laughs> missed the sign, missed the sign. So then I just had a kick out of watching people go into the water and get stung by jellyfish. <laughs> that just became an enjoyment game for me. You're like, I'm learning a lot about you and it's scaring me. I've taken my kids 
to the happiest place on earth. Anybody know where that is? It's called Disney World. At Disney World, at the happiest place on earth, on multiple occasions, I've had to yell at them and tell them to stop whining. <laughs> We're at the happiest place on earth. Can anybody relate? Hardship is the normal default. It's not happiness. Pursue your happiness. But know that you're probably going to get stung by a jellyfish. Pursue your happiness. Boy, I'm really making everybody feel good about coming to church today, ain't I? <laughs> like, I already knew life was hard. Now I get the preacher guy telling me how hard it is. Like, and now I'm probably going to get stung by a jellyfish when I go in the ocean. Like, we just, and I don't know where we're at. We're on the tail end or we're in or we came out. I don't know. We went through for the last two years a pandemic. Like, I mean, just the, 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 all the things that were involved with that and all the, the political and the social and the economic and the racial, all the, all the things that were involved with all of that within the last two years. I mean, I mean, don't feel sorry for me, but when, I, when the pandemic first hit, like that week, I went, my, there was some guys from the church, we were in a basketball league, and it was like right in the first time that it hit, and I was playing in, the, in this basketball league, and you know, my son will tell you that I probably did something bonehead, that I tried to take a charge, if you don't know what basketball is, you'll just have to look it up, but I tried to take a charge against a 6'8 guy that played professional basketball overseas. <laughs> I'm in my 40s trying to take a charge, which is basically you're standing in front of somebody while they plow you over and you hope to get the call. So I'm, this is right before the, I mean, just literally the week of that it shut down. As a matter of fact, we, we were questioning whether we should go and play that night. It was that soon, like March 13, 14, 15, something like that. So I go and try to take this charge, and the guy, the 6'8 guy, knees me. I don't even know how, or kicked me or something. I'm not even really sure, but he kicked me right in the leg. I have a picture of it. Oh. <laughs> That's my leg. This is, you can take it off now, everybody. I, I was supposed to warn you. I was supposed to warn you, and then you can take it down now. You can take it down now. That, that day, and again, we're trying, everybody's trying to figure out what this is, what's going on with this pandemic, right? What is, what is COVID-19? What are we all still trying to do? Hospitals, urgent care. I, I, that next morning, again, next morning, I had to call my dad, right? I'm in my 40s. I'm calling my dad to come and pick me up and take me to urgent care. I can't even walk to the car to get. I'm literally crawling to the vehicle that my dad came to pick me up in to try to get me into urgent care. So that, and I get into urgent care, they're like, dude, COVID's happening. Like, who cares about your leg, right? <laughs> like, they're, they're like, like, do you have COVID? No? 
then get out. Like, they, that's how they were, like, treating me, right? Like, so, like, this is, so, like, the first couple months of COVID, I'm dealing with this thing on my leg. Not only just the pandemic and all the other things that involve with this, but all the, the stuff that just happens to us on an ordinary day to day. It's life. It's life. Next verse, it says this. Oh, I love this quote by Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> right? That's my favorite quote of Mike Tyson. Not that I have a lot of Mike Tyson quotes, but this is a good one. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Then, here's, the, here's where we pick it up in the story. Then, when they had rode about 25 or 30 stadia, which was, which was about three or four miles, about three or four miles. Um, so they're rowing three or four miles. They're probably, they, about the time that they left until where they are right now, and they're somewhere in the, in the middle of the sea, it's, they've been rowing for nine hours. For nine hours. They've rowed three to four miles for nine hours. Can you imagine that? Here's where they are. Now, here's what Luke tells us in Acts. Strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in faith and saying, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. So, we all agree, right? Life is hard. Life is hard. Here's the advice. Continue in the faith. Or keep rowing and keep going. Life is hard. We all agree. And here's what Jesus is saying to you. And here's what Jesus was allowing his disciples to do. You keep rowing and you keep going. You keep rowing and you keep going. You continue in the faith. Why? Why do that? Well, there's a few things of why you need to continue in your faith and keep putting your trust in Jesus. Even when life isn't fair and life is hard, you keep going, you keep rowing, and you don't stop. Why? Because here's why. Number one, Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is your advocate. Now, again, here's a arc of a microcosm of our life, this story. This story is that. The story is a microcosm of our life. And the, and the truth of the matter is, is that the reality is for every single one of us is that Jesus is your advocate. And right now, right now, he's praying for you. It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. You've got tough things. You get kicked in the leg. You get stung by a uh, jellyfish. Life is hard, but Jesus is your advocate. 
That's what he tells them. Mark records it this way. After saying goodbye to them, after he sends them out into the boat, he left for the mountain to pray. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. He hasn't forgotten you. You aren't lost to him. He is praying for you. He's your advocate. And here's the other truth. There is an accuser. There is an accuser. He's a liar. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to accuse you. He wants you to, when you go through tough times in this life, he wants you to believe that God isn't for you. And when you and I make mistakes and when you, you and I do things that we're not proud of, he's certainly there to put into your mindset that you're a failure, that you should be ashamed of yourself, that you should feel guilt, that you should feel insecurity, that you should have all of these emotions that rise up inside of all of us to believe something about us that isn't true. And Jesus is going, no, that's not who you are. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I paid for your guilt. I paid for your shame. There's no way you should ever feel insecure because you are secure as my son or daughter. And I died and I live and I'm still living at the right hand of the Father advocating for you. So you think, I don't know if I can row anymore. And I don't know if I can continue in faith. And I don't know if I can keep going because life is too hard. Jesus is your advocate. He's your advocate. Boy, I did something really dumb this week. Can I tell you about it? So I was at having lunch with some, some couple people. And I was at the same time I'm having lunch with a couple people. I'm trying to buy Pistons tickets to take uh, my kids to that Piston game on Thursday night. So I'm looking and I'm trying to find the, the, the easiest, simplest way to get these tickets without paying an arm and a leg uh, for, for tickets. So I go on Craigslist and I look on Craigslist and I see that there are good seats for cheap available. And I, and I reach out to the person on Craigslist and say, hey, I'm interested in your tickets. Do you still have them available? And a little while later, um, I texted them. There was, a, there was a phone number, so I texted them that. They texted me back. They said, yeah, I, yeah, I still have the tickets. How many do you need? I said, I need, I need four. I need four tickets. They said, great. Yeah, four tickets for sure. And they said, I said, oh, I said how do I pay you for these? They, and then they asked, do you have Google Pay? And I said, no, I don't have Google Pay, but I have Venmo. They said, great. They said, just Venmo me the amount uh, for four tickets, and then I'll, I'll email you the tickets. I said, so I'm in lunch, and I'm like, I don't really have Venmo. My wife has Venmo. So I text my wife, hey, pay this person. They're going to give me tickets. And she's like, are you sure? I go, yeah, it's no problem. And so she's a lot smarter than me. So I... So I, so she does, she, she trusts her husband and she shouldn't. So she pays the person through Venmo. And I, then I said paid. And then they said, they didn't say anything. And then I was like, hello, nothing. 
Where's the tickets? Nothing. Are you there? Nothing. Did you scam me? They said yes. No, I'm kidding. That would have been great, wouldn't it? Nothing. Nothing. I'm a, I, I know, I'm a moron. Like you're, what, you're, like, you're like, I don't think I can come to church here anymore. Like you're a complete buffoon. I get it. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So I'm like, oh, so I call the credit card company and I, said, and I tell them, I said, listen, I'm a buffoon. This is what I did. I gave this somebody and they, they said, sir, they said, let me, let's try to see if we can figure this out. So the, some, whoever it was, this nice person with the credit card company said, we'll take care of it for you. We'll, we'll get your money back for you. I said, I love you. I appreciate you. <laughs> and my wife loves you too. And it got really awkward with the credit card person, but it ended up fine. The point is, is this, is that we sometimes do dumb things. Isn't it good to know that there's an advocate for us? That even when we make mistakes, even when we do things that we're ashamed of, there's a God in heaven who knows exactly what you're going through. And even though it was a mistake on your part or it was just something that life threw your way, he's praying for you. And knowing that there's a God who is praying for you should keep us rowing and keep us going in our faith. Romans says it this way. Paul says it this way. He says, who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And then he says this, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the answer is nothing. No, nothing will separate you from the love of God, from the love of God. Story goes on in John 9 or 6, 19. Then when they had rowed about 25 or 30 stadia, they, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. You know why they were frightened? Because they saw something walking on water. <laughs> In the other gospels, they thought, it's a ghost. You say, why would they think it's a ghost? Because I would too. And you would too. It's a ghost. They see Jesus coming. And here's the point. And here's why you should keep rowing. And here's why you should keep going. Jesus is approachable to you. Jesus is approachable to you. So the other day, I walked down to Eddie's store after we, I found out that Eddie was donating 17,000 eggs to our egg hunt. Isn't that incredible? We can like be excited about that. Yeah. So I walked down to Eddie's store and I just, I just wanted to say thank you. 
And so I, I walk into his store and there's a couple people in there and he was kind of a little busy and I just, I just said, thank you, we appreciate you, God loves you, you're amazing, we're gonna have incredible egg hunt, it's gonna be awesome for the kingdom of God. As I'm walking out, there's a guy that walked out with me and, he, and I start to engage in conversation with him. He was doing some of the work down at the storefront there. And I said, oh, do you, do you do, you know, carpentry work? He goes, yeah, I, I do some carpentry work. I go, oh, great. I said, man, can I get your number so that um, we can call you? And if we have work done at our community center, maybe you can come and, and help us out. He said, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. He says, but only, one, if only under one condition. He, he, and he, then he starts, to, he starts to get teary-eyed. And he says, my brother has leukemia. He goes, do you, do you mind praying for my brother? And I said, yeah. I said, what's his name? He gave me his name. And I said, let's pray for him right now. And we're out in the middle of the street down here in Wall Lake Drive. And he's like, right now? Right here? I go, I can't think of a better place. So we start praying for his brother. And then after we get done praying for his brother, he says, listen, um, pastor, he goes, I'm just having a hard time with life. And he goes, pastor, I don't know if you know this, but life is hard. I said, I think I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> he said, I'm starting to drink more than I should. And I, get even, I could even tell that even in that conversation, he, was, he probably had too much to drink. I said, can I pray with you? He says, right here? I said, I can't think of a better place. So I pray for him. And in that moment, in that moment, I got to be, and only in that moment, and it's not every moment, trust me, but I got to be Jesus to him. The only thing better would, would have been if Jesus would have walked across Wald Lake That would have been a lot better, but that's not what Jesus did. But all I got to do was walk down the hill just that way and thank somebody for being generous and God put somebody there providentially for me to just simply encourage and tell them that life is hard, but God is good but God is good. And wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, there is a God in heaven who's praying for you and there's a God in heaven who is approaching you. You are not too far from our God. And as a matter of fact, you can keep running but God's gonna keep approaching. You can do things that you're not proud of, but that doesn't mean that God's gonna turn his back on you. He is for you, not against you. Nothing will separate you from his love. And he's approachable. And maybe there's somebody in this room right now that's saying, I've, I've done too many things that I'm not proud of. I'm not even sure where I'm at with faith. But I got news for you. Jesus 
is coming for you because he doesn't want you to discover that in this life you'll never truly find happiness, but in Jesus you can have peace and joy in him. Hebrew writer says it this way. He says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus understands what you're going through. He experienced it all when he was on this earth. He feels your pain. He, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are. Yet he was without sin. Then he says the next verse, therefore let's approach Let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. Anytime. When's a good time? Anytime. Where's a good place? Any place. I didn't need to walk that guy up to this church, into this room and pray with him. Jesus met us right there on the sidewalk. And that's true for you. And that's true for all of us. Jesus is there for you anywhere. You approach his throne. And you can have it with confidence. And you can receive for him mercy and find grace and help at the time of our need. And what he's going to say to you is the same thing that he said to those guys on that water that day. Verse 20, here's what he says. But he said to him, them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Hey, I know there's a lot of things about this life that are hard and concerning and we get afraid and we worry. But Jesus is saying to you, I'm here. I'm advocating for you and I'm approaching you. And when I'm with you, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Because when I'm for you, who can be against you. Hey, so continue in your faith. Is life going to get easier? No. No. But keep rowing and keep going. Keep rowing. Keep going. It's him. He's with you. You don't need to be afraid of anything. Let's pray. Father, you pursue us. You're going after us. God, we, we can know that we can just come to your throne even right now in this moment. We're, we're all in the presence of your throne room and we're all collectively, corporately asking that you give us some mercy and grace and you have an abundance of it that you give us 
the help that we need in the time and the moment that we need it. And the reason why you have a heart for us is because you can sympathize. You can sympathize with our weakness. And you know when we're struggling and you know when we're oaring and we, you know when we're, we're trying to get to where we need to go but we just can't seem to get there. Everything's kind of going against the wind and things are getting dark and the, the seas of life are getting rough but we know that you can take a difficult and a bleak situation and you can show up in a powerful way and give us the kind of peace from your presence that nothing in this world can give. And when we feel overwhelmed and in over our heads with the waves of this life, we can know that we put our faith and trust in a God that can walk on them. And that our problems are really just a pathway for you to get to us. And that's how approachable you are. And you're drawing near to each, every single person in this room. You're drawing near. God, we thank you for being our advocate in the midst of day days when we, we can sense and feel the accuser. And that you're approachable and we can come to you and you come to us. We draw near to you, you draw near to us in any given moment of any time. And we'll feel and know that it's you. And we don't have to be afraid of anything. In Jesus' name, amen.